We need to have the armor of God. We need to be able to stand against the wiles and schemes of the devil because he's surely out there as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's definitely out there prowling around, and he's definitely out there at work. And so uh, we need to, God has supplied us with this armor that we've been talking about each week. And we talked about, first week, we talked about the belt of truth, and we talked about how to put on that belt of truth. We talked about how we needed to consider. Consider the lilies of the field, uh, how they don't toil or spin. Uh, consider Jesus. And, and we, we began to talk about considering. And with considering is coming, learning thoroughly this book and also noting carefully what's in this book. And then we talked about covering the private parts. And then we talked about the next week, the breastplate of righteousness. And we talked about both imputed righteousness and imparted righteousness. And we talked about how they're coupled together. They go hand in hand together that the righteousness of Jesus Christ, knowing we're significant, knowing that we are accepted in God is like, uh, I mean, it's like power. Power, right? To know that we are accepted. And with that acceptance now comes this impartation of the Holy Spirit to change us. And we said one way to put that on is by going to prayer and going into thanksgiving. When we uh, begin to be- believe the lies of the enemy, we begin to put on the, the breastplate of righteousness by going back and remembering and being thankful for what God has done. And then we talked last week about the shoes of the gospel. Had a wonderful Mother's Day. Shoes of the gospel of peace. And we talked about how uh, an athleticism, wouldn't it be nice to have an athleticism where we just uh, have this buoyancy where we can rise above like a Michael Jordan of, of Christianity, like Paul and Silas where things are going rough and yet somehow we can rise above that with this spiritual athleticism. We found out the way we do that is we put on the gospel. We, 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 put up, we apply the gospel to our lives and we said the gospel is not only knowing that God is no longer a mad at us because of what Christ has done, but also we found out there's another problem that we are really mad at God. We're mad at God, and, and we said we said a verse that really proved that out is you can't you cannot serve two masters because you'll love the one, you'll be devoted to the one, but you'll hate the other one. When you're devoted to you, when you're devoted to your plan and wanting to make things your way, you can't be devoted to God and His plan. So when God, we said God puts obstacles in our way, and when He puts up op- because He's not going to let your plan work out. His plan is going to work out. So he puts obstacles. And when he puts those obstacles in the way, it really reveals something that's so suppressed deep within. And that's the fact, really, I hate God. And I hate the fact that you won't allow me to get control of everything. And, and so we talked about that. So we said that we, we, we kind of come to a place where we recognize that. And we said, when we can come to really acknowledge that, we find out that really God loves us, even knowing that, that, that we are that way. He still loves us. And when we, when we discover that, it really, and believe that, it really, really melts our heart and causes us to, uh, to, to change and to have peace. And that peace comes into our lives. And man, there's nothing like shalom or the peace of God that can come to our lives. And then this week, we want to talk about the shield of faith. The shield of faith. And we, last week, the application was to, to know it's real. Know those things are real about ourselves and then, and then put it on. Then put on the gospel uh, and believe it. But uh, I want to start today with, uh, we've started every week in Ephesians, but I want to start kind of 
off in a, in a left field and we'll come back to that at the end and right in the middle we'll talk about the shield of faith and we'll bring it and tie it all together but there's a old testament scripture that we're all familiar with back in second chronicles seven fourteen, and it says this it says when i shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or to send plagues among my people If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. So what happens when the church begins to take the scriptures like that? What happens when we begin to actually, uh, what, what God's calling us to do there, what happens, Daniel, when we actually do this, when we actually as a church begin to seek the face of God, when we, when, when we desire to be more like Him, not just to receive things from Him, but we want to seek the face of God so that we can actually uh, know Him, be conformed to His image. When we do that, the Bible says that the Spirit begins to show up, and with the Spirit comes an anointing that begins to flow through our lives. You remember this. We see it all throughout the scriptures. How when the Spirit comes, we we talk about it in Ezekiel with the temple there. How the river begins to flow and it goes into all the marshy places that are dead and it's teeming with life. It brings life. We see it in the book of Revelation where it comes out the eastern gate. It comes out from the throne of God. goes down to the Dead Sea and the very dead things that were dead and had no life. Now the saltiness begins to be transformed and changed. The same thing is begins to happen in the Christian life when we do what the Word of God says. The Bible says that an anointing comes and there begins to come a flow, a river that begins to flow out of our lives and it begins to touch the nation. It begins to touch our families. begins to touch our children. begins to touch people's lives outside of these walls. And so that should beg to ask the question then, what is my role today? What is my role? If, 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 if this healing depends on our choices in this room if it depends, it, which is what it just said it depends on us making choices according to this book it depends on us doing the right things. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then, so that's telling me that, that, that Terry, that it matters what kind of decisions we make personally in this room. If we make decisions according to the Word of God, then an anointing comes, a healing comes, and it touches our land. If we do not do this, what is according to this Word, if we don't make the right choices in our lives and say, oh, uh, d- uh, um, think of some nice words, Brad, you won't be doing what the Word says. Uh, just to hey with it. You know, if you just say, no, you know, the, and you don't do what the Word of God, God doesn't matter, grace covers it all, and we don't have to do everything that the Word of God, then it affects our life. The river dries up, and when the world around us and the people around us are not touched by the healing that should come through our lives. Can I get an amen? Amen. So when the church is not doing what it should do, it affects people. That's why we preach that it matters what you do. It matters your life. It matters that your life looks like this book. I don't care how much of it you know. It matters that you know it. You are obeying it. And it's being, it's, it's being the, lived out through your life. Amen? And, and so, so, so am I, the question then becomes, am I prioritizing my life to contribute to the healing of the nations? Let me ask that again. That's a heavy question. 
That shouldn't matter. Am I prioritizing? Are you just living for you? You really, to, like I said, to hey with the, everybody else. It's about me, right? Well, that's not the church of Jesus Christ. That's not Jesus. That's not the heart and attitude of the one who you're saying lives inside of you. The one who you say lives inside of you. you he, he, no, he, 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 I was just reading it yesterday how we are to reckon ourselves dead. Dead. Reckon yourself dead. That you were, you died with him. You died with all your passions, with all your worldly desires, with all your wants, with all everything Brad wants. It died with Christ. It was buried with him, and Christ now lives in me. It's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. And when anything comes down, how long does crucifixion take? A long time. A long time. You got to stay on that cross to die for a long time. And a lot of us are wanting to see, you've been sold a bill of goods. You've been sold a false Christianity mostly in this nation. One where you don't have to die. Where it's all about you. And it's about how good you feel. And it's about how, how you should be happy. And it's about coming into church services where we make you comfortable. And where we, we feel good about ourselves. Don't tell me anything bad about ourselves. But the Bible talks about a Christianity that's not about you. It's about Him. It's a Christianity where we die. We die. And now Christ lives in us. And here's the problem. You can still come down off the cross because you remember Jesus even had the ability and the opportunity. He's our example. Hey, hey, if you're the Messiah, come down off of there and save yourself and save everybody else. Well, guess what? We can come down off the cross and cater to our old man too. But when we do that, God's not going to let any of that come. Uh, then His glory can't shine through. Then there's no river of water coming through. He's got to crucify that. He's got to put everything of Brad to death. Everything of Daniel to death. When something of Brad comes back to try to live again that's not of this, he's got to crucify it. He's got to put it to death. And so uh, we've got to get back on the cross and we've got to stay there a little bit longer until it dies. And that's what everybody's wanting to get out of here right now. But i got news for you. I think God's got us on a cross crucifying a lot of us. So that his life can be seen in us. It's no longer us now. It's Christ. And God wants us to prioritize our life to where there's healing. When you get to that city, folks, in the new Jerusalem, guess what? When you get to the new heaven and the new earth, there is a tree of life there. And the tree of the life has 12 manner of fruits. And guess what? The nations come to it and they're healed by it. They're healed by it. They're healed by it. The church, there should be people coming to the church and they should be healed by the leaves here. They should be healed by our lives, by the life of Christ that is flowing through us. Amen? No longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives 
in me, our relationship to God is, is, is not just about our life alone. It's about Him and it's about His life flowing through us to others so that the nations can be healed. And we need a healing in this land desperately. If my people will do this, if we would seek this, then His river would come and we would begin to see healing that would begin to take place. Well, let's shift to the shield of faith and then we'll come back to that at the very end. The shield of faith, let's ask that. How do we use the shield of faith? Go to Ephesians 6.10. And let's pick up where we've been. Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. So, I mean, there's a lot coming against the church. Right? Right? There's a lot. I mean, folks, this is all coming. The devil's schemes are coming against us. They're coming against us, and it comes in all sorts of ways. It comes, our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but it's against rulers. It comes as rulers. It comes through way, by way of authorities. It comes against powers of this evil, dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, because of these things, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, I think we're there, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, and here's where we started with, with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace, and then in addition to all these other things, or in all things, he goes on to say, he says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one, which, which is the one that he goes back, uh, flaming arrows are meant to destroy you. That's what they're meant to do. Come on. They're meant to destroy you. They're meant to destroy your faith. They're meant to cause doubt in, uh, in your life about God. Arrows are lies that can only destroy if you let them, if you, if you believe them, if you believe the lies. That's what begins to happen. And so uh, uh, we use the shield of faith. We've got to have the shield of faith out today, as you're going to see, to extinguish those arrows of the evil one and to simply believe. We've got to believe God's word. We've got to believe God's promises. We've got to believe the faith that has already been deposited in our lives to, to, to ward off these darts that are coming in that are trying to get us like the, dart, like the arrow of cancer. What happens when the arrow of cancer comes and you get the report? Where was God? Where is God? If God's so good, where is He? What about the arrow of winning the lottery? You shouldn't be playing anyway. I don't need God anymore. I can make it on my own. What about the arrow? Uh, see the lie that comes with the arrows? What about the arrow of, I can do a little bit of this or I can do a little bit of that. I can stay in sin and have God too. I can do all of these things. The arrows come and the lies come with them that begin to cause us to doubt what this book says or what's already deposited there that we really know. And so we can't extinguish the truth. It begins to affect us. It begins to erode and cause our doubt in God. And so he says, and so uh, these extinguish the arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the 
Word of God and pray with the Spirit on all occasions with all kind of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for the Lord's people. When you begin to read commentaries, you learn, like we saw in the first slide on the very first cover there, we, we learn that the shield of faith is not this tiny shield that they carried in battle with them always when they went into battle. In fact, we find out that it was like a door. It's huge. It's like a door. It's literally almost four or five feet tall in height, and it's two feet wide, and so it, it, it was there to cover the entire person. It's to cover us, not only here, but we can cover here over lots of people, and, it, and it's there, and they didn't carry it into battle with them always when they're fighting in the battle. They brought it to the battle, and they brought it there for a very specific point in the war at a very specific time for certain reasons. For example, if the Roman army or some type of army came to a fortified city and they came to a certain place in that city where the, the, they, were, they had made up their mind, we are going to move forward. We are at the outer side of the wall and we are going to move forward. We're going to advance. The, we're going to break through the wall. Then they would decide they, we're going to go on the offense. We're going to go on, in, on to the offense and we're going to, I mean, we're really going to commit to the fight because that's what you got to do, right? You come to the walls of Jericho. They're way up high and you come to the walls and let's say God didn't say march around them. Let's say God said take the city. Well, if you're at that point and you're the army and you're ready to come, then you're making up your mind at that point. Hey, get the battering ram, get whatever we need, get the, get the, throw the fire over the wall, whatever the rocks, whatever they had back then, do whatever you can do because we're about to break down and we're going to storm the castle, so to say. We're going in. And so it's the shield of faith. At that point in the war, that's when you would go, Gabe, and say, somebody go get the shields of faith. Go get the shield of faith because you are deciding that we're going on the offense, we're committed to the fight, and now we need this shield of faith because guess what's going to happen when you begin to storm the castle? Guess what? All those high walls that chariots can race on the top of, what's going to happen? Fiery darts are coming down on your head. Rocks are coming down on your head. There Arrows, flaming arrows are coming out the uh, out of the walls and the little slits in the walls. So you got to have something now at this time in the war that you can store, ward off the fiery darts of the enemy. So you would take this door that you can't carry all around when you're all in battle and you're saying, go get it now. Now's the time we need the shield of faith. So go get it. And what they would do is they would come and they would take it and they could advance the enemy by getting behind the shield of faith. And so folks, that is exactly what we have to do. We get to a place in our walk with God where we decide we've had one foot in the world and we've had one foot in with God. But all of a sudden, we decide we are going all the way with God. We are going to go all in. We are going to... We, we, we don't care that the battle is real. We're going all the way with God and we're going to advance the enemy and we're going to keep going with God all the way. No longer are we going to have a foot in the world and a foot with God and we are going. And guess what? When you make that kind of commitment is what's going to happen. It's going to just be roses, isn't it? That's what we think. How many people came down to an altar and I've seen it every time. Man, they are on fire on cloud nine because they want Jesus. 
And buddy, it's about a month later. They're coming to church, man. They want to do everything. They want to join everything. I'm so on fire. I'm reading my Bible. I'm doing everything. But you give it about two months. And all of a sudden, I mean, the bottom falls out. They get the cancer report. They get the bad news. They get the breakdown cars. They get the persecution at work. Their family decides, you got a little bit too much of Jesus for us. And all of a sudden, there is, this, there is this, these fiery darts that begin to come into the life of this person to where they literally begin to doubt God. They begin to doubt the church. They begin to doubt everything there is about God. And before long, they're no longer even in here. And they're just a statistic of somebody that came down, prayed a quote-unquote sinner, prayer shook a pastor's hand and now they're gone because they've decided it ain't worth it man right and one reason it's not worth it is because they didn't know how to fight the battle they didn't know to put on the armor of God they didn't know to take up this is the time now we need to take up the shield of faith we need to we need to because the because when we decide to follow Jesus I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Get ready. I have decided to storm the castle, right? No, I mean, really. I have to, if God says storm the castle, we're storming. Because in the moment you set your heart towards following God with everything, get ready because the warfare is about to increase. The fiery darts are coming against you and against your home and against your family and against everything. It's just the truth of Christianity. That's real Christianity, not this American pie in the sky that you've been sold a bill of goods. Come in, get your coffee, get your comfortable seat. Life is good, and every day's Friday. Right? And it's your best life now. When you choose God, it ain't your best life now on this side of eternity. The best life now is coming. But guess what? There's a, there's a, all hell is going to break loose on you now. Right? Right? That's true Christianity. That, that's, that's the kind of Christianity that I, that's in this Bible. That's the kind of Christianity that makes Fox's Book of Martyrs just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Right? And, 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 and I'm not here to bring you down, but I'm here to tell you what you're getting into. And guess what? It's worth it, my friend. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Amen? And so, at, at this point, you leave the besiegement and you go and get the shield because the rocks are coming, the fiery arrows are coming. Where else do? Because the doubts that Satan wants to sow into our, into our minds about God's faithfulness, about all these things. Where is God? Like I said. But where else have we heard the word fiery? Where else have we heard the word fiery? When we talk about fiery arrows, what else do we hear the word fiery in the Bible? Well, 1 Peter 4.22 says the word fiery. It talks about it. Dear friends, do not be surprised by the fiery ordeal uh, or trial that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. This is part of the Christian life, folks. This is part of the fiery trials, the fiery darts are going, Satan's schemes, the rulers, the, the 
the, the principalities, the powers, the spiritual forces of the air, they're coming against the people of God. He does not want you to sell out to God. He does not want you to bear fruit. He does not want you to come into the fullness of God. And so we see that Peter even speaks of the fiery trials that are going to try you and come against you. What about Revelation 3.14? Listen to what it says. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich, I've acquired wealth and do not need anything. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel from you to buy from me gold that has been refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes for you to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. So anytime in the Word of God where we see this word fire use, it's always in the context, John, of suffering. It's always in the context of persecution. It's always in the context of trial. Always when you see fire, most of the time in the Word, it's suffering, it's persecution, it is trial. Refiner's fire. Refiner's fire. The fire brings out the potential that is in you. And let me give you an example of that. Stay with me. Uh, Listen, how many, like, well, one, if you're a refiner, you would know that when you put in gold in the fire, that it gets the dross out, it gets the impurities in there. You put it in one way, and it comes out of the fire purified. It comes out of the fire tested. It comes out of the fire pure, gold-like. Silver, you can do the same thing. It gets the dross. It gets the impurities. Purities. Another thing that I heard a pastor talking about, he said he came from an Italian family, and his family, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, I don't think I'd ever heard of it. You ever heard of a black and blue steak? The reason you hadn't heard about it, they wouldn't cook you one because they're afraid they'll get sued. But there used to be such a thing called a black and blue steak. And this is where you take the skillet and you heat it up to 500 degrees. And you take a steak pretty much out of the, uh, of the, pretty much the freezer. And you put the thing on there for about, on one side, you only season the side that is up there. And you put the steak on one side and you let it stay there for about a, about a minute to a minute and a half. And then you don't flip it over on the other side. You take it off and you serve it just like that. And this family, this pastor that I listened to said his family loved that kind of state. His brother and his dad loved that. And they used to, they, they said it would make him, because they said when you cook it for only that long, it doesn't even get warm inside. It's still cold. He said they would take the bone and make fun of him and mess with him. And it still had ice crystals on the bone inside of it. And the point I'm trying to make is, It could be a grade A uh, Angus, the best beef you could possibly get in Kobe fed, whatever, Japanese beef. It could be the best beef in the world and it could have the most potential. But until it goes into the fire and it activates the fatty tissues and it activates and starts getting cooked, then nothing good, all the flavors, everything that is the potential inside of there does not come out. And 
folks, that's exactly what has happened in the body of Christ. We have had more teaching in America put into us than anybody in the world. Most people do not have the book that you're privileged to have about a hundred in your house. And you get to read it and you've read that thing through at least one time. Maybe two, three, four. And you've read the Bible. You have had deposited inside of you so much potential. We have gone through experience in this nation like no other nation. We have had the Puritans. We have had the Pilgrims. We have had grandparents that, that, that were on their knees and prayed. We have had people that were part of the Azusa Street revivals, the Pentecostal revivals, the Charismatic revivals. We've had people that were part of Billy Graham that can still remember being part of Billy Graham crusades. And all of a sudden where this fiery man gets up and he's in these stadiums full of people and he just gives a simple little altar call and they play just as I am and the whole the whole the whole place just comes down for salvation we have had experience we have had the word put inside of us we've had so many things put into us and we have so much potential but the only way that potential can be brought out of us I'm afraid to say is when we go into the fire It's the fire that brings the potential out. It's the fire. Without the fire, the stake never becomes what it could be. Without the fire, the gold never becomes as pure as it can be. Without the fire, the silver never becomes what it can be. And without the fire, the American Christian will never become what he or she should be. Oh, thank you. About three of you. And there's a lot of potential in this room. There's potential in all of you, folks. There's potential. We really don't need any more teaching. We've had teaching to death. We've sat in here Wednesday night, Sunday night. We, we've had teaching after teaching. We sit around our tables. We, we, we get on the internet. We, we, we have had teaching after teaching after teaching. We have learned about prayer. We have learned about uh, spiritual warfare. We have learned about uh, all uh, relationship with family. We've learned about forgiveness. We've learned about all of these things. But it's going to take the trial of the fire to bring those things out of us. Maybe like the fire of transgenderism. Maybe like the fire of the racial wars. That you get so sick of seeing these problems in our nation. That you hate the fires that are coming upon us. But maybe when you keep going to the counter and seeing that guy who used to be a girl now behind the counter and your heart weeps. And you go now and your friends have friends at school. And the fire of these things are everywhere so much so that you cannot walk into these places anymore and not be moved or affected by it. Maybe now all the study on evangelism and the potential of evangelism that has been inside of you and the potential for prayer that has been inside of you. Maybe now the fire is going to pull it out. And rather than just going in there and seeing these children be tossed and to and fro and 
confused, maybe now it's going to pull something out of you and I, the potential to go in and to share God's Word with them and to share the truth of God's Word with them. And so maybe the fires that are coming in the world right now are going to pull something out of the church that needs to be pulled out. All the potential that's already in you. All the potential. Maybe maybe it'll get to a point where the pastors quit pleading with the audience and we come. And the reason I don't sadly I don't come because I mean I know I should, but when it's like the same three of us every time, you know, and we're driving so far, maybe the fire eventually of the nation burning, maybe the fire of the economy, maybe the fire that's upon us will eventually stir prayer meetings. And no longer will we just talk about prayer meetings and learn more about prayer. But we'll actually, there'll be a line and maybe we'll have more people on a prayer night than we actually have on a Sunday morning. Maybe the potential when we get put in the fire will eventually begin to come out of us and cause us, cause these things that are already within us to come out of us and to literally change uh, the, the world around us. If my people, if my people, if my people... Right? COVID shifted some things. Would you agree? This pastor that I listened to, he he named it pretty well. He said it's a dispensation shift in the church, and I believe it. And he he called it the Babylonian captivity shift. You remember, there were, you remember there were two types of captivity that Israel went into. You remember when they went into Pharaoh's captivity in Egypt, what happened? They had no freedoms. None. You make more straw. I mean, you make more bricks and you go get your own straw. They were miserable. They were under the whip of Pharaoh and under the whip of the taskmaster. And they had, after they came out of there, they had about a thousand years of freedom where they were, they were in the, they were, it was, it was great and wonderful. But then all of a the sudden they began to, to, to get away from God and the fiery trials came and the God allowed them to go into captivity this time in a different way. Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon came upon them and took them into captivity. But the only difference this time from the captivity that they had in Egypt, they they had lots of freedom under Babylonian captivity. They, I mean, they could buy houses. They could move around. They could do certain things. They could even grow up in the... In the in, they could even get into the political office of the day and climb the ladder like, like Daniel and like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You, you saw that there was a lot of freedom. But here's what was the problem in that time. The government and the rulers of that day had the power and the authority at any time to pull that freedom away whenever they wanted to. One minute you had freedom and the next minute it was taken away. Kind of like what happened during the COVID day where we began to have freedoms and all of a sudden they said, if you don't get a vaccination, you will lose your job. We can take that freedom from you. If you don't wear a mask, you'll be refused service. Freedom one day taken away the next, freedom another day, taken away the next, freedom this day, taken away the next, and that seems to be the place we are living right now. 
And if they will come and do that over a vaccine or a mask or other things like that, do you not think if I preach things that are contrary to what they want in the world, they will not come and shut down the freedoms in this pulpit? Are you kidding me? You mean if I stand up and say certain things that God's word says are true and they don't want that to be said, you don't think they can come and shut this place down in a millisecond? Oh, they'll come like this at first. We're gonna, you better stop that or you're going to receive a fine. We saw the fines that were going on. We saw that that was going on in, uh, with, with, it, we saw churches fine during COVID. Freedom one day to worship and the next day no churches can be open. Right? Somehow they have the authority. See, you think that constitution is what gives you authority. But that constitution, listen, it's a wonderful document and I love it. It has no authority if God does not give the freedom. No, you understand that if you get the wrong men in office and people in office, it can be taken away in a moment. God is the one who gives the freedom. Not that constitution and that document. It's wonderful. As wonderful as it is, it's got to be backed by God. Right? We're seeing it eroded right now in this nation at times. And so, so, so we see this shift that is going on and entered into the church right now. And it's this shift, this shift where our freedoms are being one day given and one day they can be taken away. And, and this and that. Loss of job. Loss of freedom. All that's going on. That's the same thing that was going on in the Babylonian world at that time. And God is allowing these fiery trials because that's what it is. We're being put into the fire. We've been put into the fire since then to bring out all the investment that's been poured into us for a long, long time. We've had so much teaching invested. We've had so much evangelism invested. We've had so much prayer invested, uh, teaching on it. And he wants to bring all of that out. And as I said, what if the fires are doing that? What if the fires are literally bringing us to a place, the fires of this gender confusion, the fires of this and the fires of that are bringing all of this out of us so that we can have our full potential brought out of us. Let me give you two applications uh, about the shield of faith real quick, then we'll wrap this thing up. If you're going to go and get the shield of faith, what did I say about the shield of faith? The shield of faith is not carried into every part of the battle. The shield of faith is brought out when we decide, hey, this is a part of the battle where we're going on the offense. I'm deciding to advance the enemy. We're going forward in this fight. We're moving forward with Christ. And when we do that, when we decide we're going to do that, we're, we're deciding, hey, now we're at the walls. We're about to penetrate them. We got to go get the shield of faith. This is a time I need faith. I need the shield of faith to ward off the fiery arrows that are going to come against me and my life that are going to cause me to doubt God and to no longer believe what has already been invested in my life, already been put inside of me that has not been brought out. And so we know at that that time we got to go get the, the shield of faith we got to be committed to battle and when you start pushing against the strongholds uh, and, and advance and take ground when you do this the fiery arrows are going to come and number one look what begins to begins to happen two points do not be surprised by the fiery arrows or the fiery trials that come into your life when you truly commit yourself to God remember the shield of faith is not needed until we begin 
begin to advance and take ground for the kingdom of God. But when you begin to make that choice, you can better believe the fiery arrows are about to come. That's when you get, your life begins to fall apart. That's when the persecutions begin to come. That's when, that's when the call comes and somebody's mad at you. That's when the emails start flying and the, and the texts start coming. And this is normal Christianity when we choose to go on the offensive. Okay? Satan will throw all the fiery trials at us. And that's when you got to go get the shield of faith. And by doing that, listen to this. This is important. Write it down. By doing this, you get rid of the wrong expectations. By going and getting the shield of faith, you are coming back with it, putting it in front of you. And when you're doing that, you're getting rid of the wrong expectation, uh, which is, means you're preparing your mind, Jacob, for the battle. You're saying, man, I, I know that when I'm going on the offensive, he's coming against me, and I need this shield. And so we pick up the set. We're setting our minds right. We're saying, I'm getting engaged in the battle. I'm getting engaged in the war, and the war, he's coming. So I know when I pick up this, that the fiery darts are coming. Then number two, when you go through the fiery trials and when you go through the suffering, don't forget to go and get the shield of faith. Set your mind to recognize this is coming. Luke 8, listen to what it says. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat. They set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went went to wake him up saying, Master, Master, we're being drowned. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters of the storm subsided and all was calm. And listen to what he says. Where is your faith? He asked the disciples. And what he's saying there is you not you never had faith. Hear me well. He's, not say, he's saying where is your faith? I've been with you, Raymond. I walked with you for all these years now. I taught you. You had plenty of teaching. You had plenty of examples and experience. You saw the miracles. You saw the feedings. You saw the blind eyes. You saw all these things. You, you, you knew this. Now, where is it right now? When the fiery, why have you not gone and got the shield? Why have you not gone? And where is your, where's the faith that's in you that is not being pulled out by the fiery trial? Why are you sitting here? Why are you not pulling that out when you're in the midst of a fiery trial, in the midst of the fiery battle. And folks, there comes a point where we need to stand up and believe what God has already deposited inside of our lives. When the fiery darts come, when the doubt starts come setting in, you grab the shield of faith and you say, no way devil, I know that's a lie. I am standing firm on the ground of what God has already said in His Word. What He's already put inside of me, that's a lie. And I'm standing here now against these fiery darts with faith the faith that's already in there and I'm trusting and I'm believing I'm getting the shield because I know what God said and I'm standing on this truth 
And that's what we've got to do, folks, in this particular situation. You've got to run when the darts start coming and get what's already there and say, I believe. I believe the Scriptures. I believe the Word of God. I believe that cancer report, he could kill, they could kill the body, but he can't, constrain, he can't destroy the soul. They, 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 can, they can do whatever they want to do, but it can't. You stand on the truth. You say, wait a minute, devil. Wait a minute. That's a lie. That is not true. That is not true. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Or maybe God tells you he is going to heal it. And you come back with some healing promise that that he's given you. Come back with the word of God and with the truth that's already deposited in you. So we come back to 2 Chronicles 7.14. And we've all been praying this for years now. We've been praying, God, work in this generation. If your people, which are called by your name, will humble themselves and pray and seek the face of God and turn from their wicked ways. And it's been on all your Facebooks and it's been passed around 9,000 times and it's been preached in all the churches. And here is the deal. Maybe, just maybe, God has said, I've heard that prayer. I've heard that prayer. But in order to answer it, I've got to put you in the fire. In order to bring out all that potential, there has to come a fire and the church needs to go into the fire I heard this and it's pretty good listen to it what if the what if the church in America isn't as messed up as we think no let that let that ruminate maybe the, what if the church the true church in America what, what Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. He said that his church will be without spot or wrinkle. What if the church isn't as, as messed up? What if, what if she's more brilliant and more glorious and more powerful? What, what if, what if all this potential is already inside of her, just there waiting to be brought out? And maybe now we're in a place where God is going to bring out all that potential out of the true church in America, in Russia, in China, in Syria, and all all around the world. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your word. God, it seems like lately, I know for me anyway, it seems like I've been in one fiery trial after another. I mean, God, I get a gas tank fixed and then my power steering's making noise. And those are minor things, God. And it's friends calling with cancer reports. And it's people calling mad at each other and trying to put out this fire and that fire and hurt feelings. And the, Lord, it's just, it's just buffeted everywhere. One trial, one fire after another fire after another fire. It's time to grab the shield of faith. It's time to grab the shield of faith, God. And to make the choice to believe, to believe, to exercise faith that is already there. Faith that is already in us. Faith that has already been been deposited there. God, and to pull out the shield of faith that can get us through every fiery trial. God, we're going to make the choice 
to believe your word, God. We're going to make the choice to believe what you've said, God. And you are going to bring this out. You're going to, God, you're going to revive us, I believe, God, in this last hour, God. There's going to be some reviving that takes place, God, in the fires. In the fires, God. There is another in the fire. And, and, and Lord, you're going to conform us into your image, God. And you're going to bring out the potential, God. And you're going to burn up all the drugs. And you're going to burn up everything of Brad, God, that's unlike you. And the, all that's left and remaining, God, is, is you and a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, God. Lord, I don't want to just be a black and blue steak. I don't just want to be put on one side for about, uh, God, a minute, God, and then left uh, fleshly on the other side, God. I want all the potential that's inside of me that you've been placing in me since 1994 all the teaching I've heard all the experiences I've heard all the sermons God that I've studied and preached God Lord but but what good is it if it doesn't flow through my life God and heal the people around me God it's time Lord to bring this potential out of my life and out of this church's life and out of the church around the world God and to bring us to the place God Lord where we're to be brought to if we will seek you if we will begin to make the right choices, God, according to this book. If we'll do, God, if we'll do what this book says, God, if we'll turn to you, God, and seek you for transformation, then God, your anointing will come, the river will come, and it will touch, God, the communities and the world and the cities and their homes and everything around us, God. And Lord, how beautiful that will be. And God, I just say, awaken us in America, God. If it takes the fire to do it, then bring us there, God. Lord, it's time, it's time, God, that now that we're in the middle of the fire for us as a church to run and grab the shield of faith and begin to fire, ward off the fiery darts that are coming and say, that's all you got, devil. Oh, the oil, the, the, the car messed up. Oh, this person, oh, that person. My God is bigger. My God is greater. My God is stronger. The Word of God is truth and the Word of God prevails and I believe it. I believe it. And God, we're going to use this weaponry that we have now in Jesus' name and we're going to stand. We're going to stand and we're going to stand firm, God, with the shield of faith covering our heads from the weapons that are being, the, the, the warfare that's coming from the top. We're going to, we're going to close them in front of us and on the sides and on the back and we're going to advance and move forward in the name of our God. And we're going to be safe, God, from all the fiery darts, God. They're just going to be extinguished by the, the shield of faith, God. We have faith in your promises, faith in your word. We believe, God. The ship is not going down. If you've led us into a storm, and if we think you're asleep at the moment, God, we're going to rise up the shield of faith and say, no way, our God never sleeps nor slumbers. And if God put us here, he'll bring us all the way through to the other side because he gave us a promise before we ever got in the boat. Go to the other side. You already told them you were going to bring them to the other side. It didn't matter what obstacles came from the enemy between there and the other side. You were going to bring them through, God. They should have put out the shield of faith and just said, no devil, you know what? Bring all the fiery darts you got. We're going through the storm. We're going to make it out the other side. And Father, just do that for Brookside Church of God. Do that now, God. Let us use the weaponry and the armor that you've supplied us with to extinguish the, the wicked one now in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen.